Amen, that's right. Thank you, praise team, for that. Good morning to you. It is good to see you here this morning, all five of you that reciprocated there. Um, But how about everybody that has a Bible with you? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Whether you're turning there or turning your Bible on to there, uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, I do encourage you uh, to turn to that text with me as we continue this morning. If you're with us last week, uh, you know that we began our Christmas series. We're looking at the birth narrative that Matthew gives us in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. That's where we'll be this month. If you haven't read through that, I encourage you to read through that as you read through it. Uh, maybe chapters 1 and 2, even in one sitting, as you see it in its entirety. I think you'll notice some things that you don't see whenever we look at individual sections. Uh, but that's where we'll be. And so last week we looked at the genealogy of Jesus Christ that Matthew begins in, in chapter 1, verse 1, and goes through verse 17. And we saw there that the genealogy tells us that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, the chosen one, the anointed one. He fulfills all of the prophecies that, were, that had to be fulfilled from the Messiah And we see that as we look at the genealogy. So we saw last week that the genealogy, the ancestry, the lineage of Jesus, points us to recognize that he is the Messiah. This morning we are going to move over the last half of Matthew chapter 1, the actual birth story itself in Matthew. We'll come back to that, uh, that Sunday before Christmas. But today we're going to look in Matthew chapter 2 and we're going to see... Three other things that are also going to point us to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one, the Savior of the world, the rightful King. And so we're going to see that today. Uh, The first thing we'll see is that creation says that Jesus is the Messiah. We're going to see that prophecy says that Jesus is the Messiah. And then we're also going to see that wise men say that Jesus is is the Messiah. So if you would, let's begin in verse 1, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now we're going to see more about this star in just a little bit. It, it, it did rise and they noticed it, but it's going to continue to travel and we'll see some more about that. I want to stop here as we kind of get our bearings together, as we see the context of what's going on here. So Jesus has been born in Bethlehem and when Jesus is born, there is a special star that rises in the sky that if you were paying close enough attention, that would tell you that a new king has been born in Israel. Now, how do I know that? Because it tells us here that there are these these wise men, as they're called in Matthew's narrative there in verse 1. Magi is the the word that we see here. These magi, we usually sing about them as, as three kings, right? We, three kings of Orient are. Those are the men that we're talking about here. These men are somewhat mysterious. We know some things about them, but we don't know a lot. They probably came from Persia or Babylon. Matthew just tells us from the east. And they would have been high, probably not, I don't want to ruin the song, probably not kings, 
but really high-ranking officials. For uh, In our terms today, we would say very important diplomats, high-ranking officials, men of important stature. But they also had some part of their work that was astrological in nature. These men, and this is not something that was uncommon in ancient religions, they often studied the stars, and even in some religions today, people study the stars to find out uh, all sorts of different things, or at least they think they are. But here we see that these men that pay great attention to the stars recognized that all of a sudden there was a new star. And this star shined in a special way, and this star came about when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So these men who have been paying attention see in God's creation that even in his creation, God has made clear. And if you read, if you go and read Romans chapter 1, it makes very clear that this star is not the only part of creation that tells us that there is a God. That, that we see in Romans chapter 1, we are told by Paul that all people should recognize that there is a God, that there is a creator. But here, it's telling us something very specific. It's telling us that there has been a new king that has been born in the land of Israel. So these men, these wise men, uh, these magi, they recognize the star, and so they want to go to this area. They want to go to Judea. They want to go to Israel. And they want to be able to worship this new king. They want to go and, and recognize that this king has been born. And so what do they do? And, and it makes sense as they head over, that they go to the capital city. That they go to the king's house. Now, there are a lot of different reasons that they might do this, but I'm just going to give you my favorite one this morning. Because whenever I thought about this this week, it really it made me chuckle. Um, so these wise men recognize from the stars that Israel has a new king. That He's not king yet. Herod is still king. But a new king has been born who would be the successor to Herod. And so if you know that there's a new king that's been born, then where would you go to celebrate that? Well, the most likely place is that you would go to the palace, to the king's house. And so these wise men do. They go there and they go to Herod. And in my imagination, at least, they go in and they say, King Herod, we're here to celebrate the birth of your new son who is going to be the next king. And then Herod says... I haven't had a son recently. And the Magi say, my bad. That's not how I thought this was going to go. Now, I don't know that that's how it plays out. But we see here that these men go, and they go to King Herod, and this is what they say in verse 2. And this is very specific and very important for our purpose today. It says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, king of the Jews is the terminology, if, if you, we talked about this, these words a lot last week. If you were Greek, you would say the Christ. That's how you'd say king of the Jews. If you were Hebrew, you would say the Messiah. So these guys could have come and said, hey, where is, he, where is the Christ that has been born? Where is the Messiah that has been born? But they're Babylonian or Persian, so they say best that they can. Where is he that has been born king of the Jews? But you see, the star that God put in the, in the sky, the creation that God has made, made very clear to these men when they paid attention to it, that this child that had been born was not just another child. This child was the rightful Messiah 
that had come to lead the people of God. And that's point one this morning. Creation says Jesus is the Messiah. It's so clear that even if you didn't have the Old Testament, even if you didn't have the New Testament, but you paid close enough attention to creations, what we have these wise men, these are men that are not studying the Hebrew Scriptures. We'll see in a minute because they don't know. They didn't know to go to Bethlehem. If they'd been studying the Hebrew Scriptures, they would have known to go to Bethlehem. All they did was pay really close attention to God, to the creation that God has made, and God showed them a sign even in creation. Now, I'm not telling you that people can come to know and understand the gospel from creation. I'm telling you this. If you look at the world that we live in, with the precision in which it was created, with the thoughtfulness and intent that it was created, you will know that there is a God, that this did not happen by chance, that this was done by a great and mighty, all-wise, all-powerful creator. But these men specifically, God shows them with creation, with this star, that the new king's been born, and this king is the king of the Jews. So they go and they mention this to Herod, and as we look in verse 3, we see that Herod is not as excited about this king being born. Look with me there, verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So, right, they go to Herod and they say, we're here to celebrate the baby or whatever they say. Where is he that's been born king of the Jews? And Herod is upset about this. Because right now Herod is king. And if a new king has been born, then this new king is a threat to King Herod. This king is a threat to his autonomy, to his power, to his authority. And so he is not excited about this new king. And so he wants to know. King Herod doesn't know the scriptures either. And Herod says, go get the scribes, go get the wise, get our knowledgeable men. I need to know where is the king of the Jews? Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And he says specifically that word in verse 4, assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, inquired of them where the Christ, right, saying that's the Greek for Messiah, where the Messiah was to be born. And they tell them in Bethlehem of Judea. And I want to read for you again, Miss Susan already read for us once this. Miss Susan, thank you. But this right here, verse 6, is a short snippet from Micah chapter 5, right, that they're quoting, he says, hey, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? And they say, well, we know he's supposed to be in Bethlehem because the prophet Micah told us that he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. But what the prophet Micah told us is so much more than just the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Listen again to the promises that we see, which include that. But in Micah 5, verse 2, it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah... From you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure 
For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And then the very beginning of verse 5 says, And he shall be their peace. See, Bethlehem is the city of David. The city where David comes from is his hometown. And if you read in the book of Luke, you see that that this is a small thing to say that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? There are a lot of circumstances that God put in place to make sure that Joseph and Mary were there by the census and all these things. God has made sure that all these things would take place just as he said that they would. But what we really see here for our purposes today is another sign, another indicator, another clear teaching that Jesus is the chosen one, that Jesus is the Messiah. We see it because this prophecy that said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem came true when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So point two is that prophecy says Jesus is the Messiah. We've seen it in his lineage, and we see it now in his birthplace. Prophecy is clear that Jesus is the Messiah, and we see it over and over and over. But now, not only the fact that he was born in Bethlehem, because you say, Brother Zach, yes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but you know how many people have been born in Bethlehem? I don't. But it's a lot. It's more than just Jesus. So you can't say, well, the prophecy says that, that a kid would be born in Bethlehem and Jesus was born in Bethlehem, therefore Jesus must be the Messiah. You could say that about lots of kids. But when you read all of the prophecy, right, when we read that larger context, all the king wanted to know is where is he supposed to be born. What we want to know is, is this prophecy talking about Jesus? I believe... 100% that it is, because not only did he have to be born in Bethlehem, but it said that a child was going to be born in Bethlehem was going to be one that whose, whose days are ancient, right? One who has no beginning will be born in Bethlehem. Now we're starting to narrow it down a little bit more. And, and it goes on. It says that, that this one that's going to be born in Bethlehem is going to be ancient and have no beginning, but he's going to be born in Bethlehem, and he's going to bring peace and security. Well, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus has no beginning. He has always been. He brings peace and security to his people. And it says that this one that's going to be born, Micah tells us that he was going to stand and shepherd his people. And Jesus tells us that he is the good shepherd that has come to lead his people. And it says that, that he would lead in the strength and majesty of the Lord God. And Jesus came and he led and he shepherded and he continues to lead and he continues to shepherd his people, not just like a regular shepherd, but with the strength and majesty of the Lord God Almighty. Brothers and sisters, the prophecy is clear. Jesus is King. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Emmanuel, God who came to be with us. It leaves no doubt. There's nobody else in all of history that fits all of these criteria except for Jesus. So we see that creation tells us that Jesus is the Messiah. God put the star there to make that clear. And then we see that, that the prophecy is clear that Jesus is the Messiah. And we see it one more place in the, the, the posture of the wise men. Look with me in verse 7 and we'll finish our text this morning. It says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So we see that the supernatural sign of creation, right, the star itself, it's amazing enough that when the star came up that they knew from that star that a new king had been born in the land of Judah. But now the star is moving and guiding them and the star comes to rest and stops over a house. And they, I don't know how they understand exactly what all this means, but they knew that this was the place because as soon as that happens, it says in verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So it stops over this house and they're standing in the yard rejoicing because they just know that when they go into this house that they're going to find the king. And sure enough, they go into the house and what they find, verse 11 tells going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And so what do they do? They fall down and they worship him, and they give these lavish gifts to him. Now, here, I want you to think about this for just a moment, because that's, that's part of the story we've always heard, right? The wise men fall down and worship Jesus. And we can talk about the context and whether this should be part of the manger scene, or not, but that's beside the point. What we see here is these high-ranking officials from another country. Really extremely important men. Important enough that they could roll into Israel and say, we want to see the king, and they were in short order at least taken to see the king. You can't just do that if you're just anybody off the street. These are important men. These are dignitaries who have been sent as if they're going to bring a peace offering to the new king of the Jewish people in a common household lying face down on the floor in front of a child because they recognize this is not just any child. What we see here is, is men of great prosperity, rich men that bring these lavish and expensive gifts, and they're giving them to what appears to be just a common child and to his family. We see these men of a pagan religion. I don't know how much you know about the people of the East in this time, the people of Babylon and the people of Persia, but they're not worshiping Yahweh. They're not... They're not following the God of Scripture. There are all sorts of other gods. But these men of a pagan religion who have spent their life worshiping other gods are now here at the place where Jesus is. And they are before Him, worshiping Him, standing outside of the house, rejoicing with great joy because Jesus has been born. Brothers and sisters, these wise men who have every reason not to worship Jesus could not help themselves but worship Jesus. And in their posture and in their actions, we see again that Jesus is the Messiah. 
That's point three. Wise men say Jesus is the Messiah. Now, word it that way on purpose. I didn't say that the wise men, because I want us to recognize that I still believe today that wise men say that Jesus is the Messiah. They did then, and they still do now. And I pray that we don't miss this, because yes, this is the birth story that we've heard years and years and years throughout our life. We've heard this story, and we've heard it in lots of different ways, but brothers and sisters, it's not a birth story, it's the birth story. It's not the birth of a child, it's the birth of the king of kings. And if these men were kings, that point would hit even better. But he's the king of magi, and he's the king of creation. And he is the king who's worthy of the praise of absolutely everybody, everywhere, all the time. He is the rightful king of the Jews, but he's also the rightful king of everyone. He is the baby that was born in Bethlehem, but he's also the God who has always existed. And so we have reason to celebrate. We have reason to be thankful because Jesus came not just to be born, not just to receive gifts from Magi, not just... Jesus came to be born and to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death. So that offerings of forgiveness and reconciliation and grace would be extended to all of us if we would respond in faith to him. And we see a nod to that in this text as well. I don't, I don't go as deep as some do into the meaning of the gifts that were given. But I do, in verse 11, if you see, the very last one that's named, the last gift that's given is myrrh. And so myrrh is an expensive perfume. could have been used for lots of different things. But in John chapter 19, it was used for a very specific purpose. It says that Nicodemus came and he brought a whole bunch of myrrh to anoint the dead body of Jesus Christ. The same king that these wise men are bowing down before and giving myrrh as a child would also have his body, his body anointed with myrrh after he died. And it makes the story sound much more sad, doesn't it, when I say it that way? But the good news is we know that Jesus, this, this king who was born, the rightful king, would also be crucified as a criminal, but he didn't stay dead. He came back to life, and he's alive today, and he's alive forevermore. And his, his birth leads us to go further and celebrate his life, and goes further to celebrate his death, and go further to celebrate his resurrection, and to look forward to his second coming, whenever we'll be with him. And we'll be with him forever. And all of the sin that we deal with in this world will be gone. And all of the hurt and all the pain will be gone. And all of the worry and the anxiety and the fear that you dealt with this last week, you'll never deal with ever again. And the death and the things that we hate so bad about this world that have come from sin won't ever be things that we'll have to deal with ever again. Because Jesus is the Messiah who came to live and die and come back to life to make these things available to us. So I ask you this morning a very specific question. As you hear all of these signs that are clear as they can be, that Jesus is the chosen Savior from heaven, how do you respond to that truth? Do you respond like the wise men? 
who come into the story and recognize who Jesus is and bow down and worship Him and give what they have to Him? Is that you? Have you responded in faith to Jesus? Have you made it so that He is Lord of your life, that, that you are following Him and you're doing what He would have you to do, offering all that you have to Him? Or are you like King Herod, who hears that Jesus the Messiah has been born and you feel threatened, or you feel worried or scared or anxious or angry because you think somebody else might take control where you want to have control. Because we have to respond in one of these ways to Jesus. Either we recognize who He is and we worship Him and we give our lives to Him that He rightfully deserves, or we're threatened by Him and we push back against Him because we want to be in control. We want to be in charge. We want to be king of our own lives. Because, brothers and sisters, if that's the path you take, there's not hope and peace and security at the end. There's only hell. There's only punishment rightfully deserved for your sins. Forgiveness only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you have questions about that, I would love to answer those questions. I invite you to stand. And here in just a moment... Praise team's going to lead us in a, a hymn of response. And as we respond to that, if you have questions, you can come and ask those, or you can come and tell me, Brother Zach, I'd like to meet up with you after the service. I'd love to do that. I'll give you my cell phone number. You can text me if you feel more comfortable doing that. But I don't leave here if you have questions without setting up some way to have an answer to those questions. If you need somebody to pray with you, I'll pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. Brother Grant's here. He would love to pray with you. If you'd love for him to pray with you, he'd do that. If you just want to sing out of excitement and joy because Jesus is the worthy Lamb who is worthy of our praise, you do that. But you respond however the Lord's calling you to now as our praise team leads us in a hymn of invitation.